Donald Godfrey, welcome. You're an Irish Jesuit. You are based in San Francisco in the university there, and you also work in the church that's attached to the University of San Francisco. And we have spoken um, throughout the Trump years and been very concerned about aspects of that presidency in very many ways. I want to talk to you about your reaction to the election of Joe Biden, now president-elect, and Vice President Kamala Harris. How are you feeling about this just a couple of days after the announcement? I still feel a sense of relief. A Jesuit from England texted me and said, thank you for bringing hope and truth. I think this was not any ordinary election. I've always had, you know, taken sides in elections and I've tended to be democratic in nearly every, always actually, but this time it seemed different because it wasn't really about Republican Democrat. It was about whether we were going to go towards an authoritarian form of government or remain a democracy. That's how clearly I see it. We were on a cliff edge in many ways. Uh, Mary Trump, Donald Trump's niece was talking. I was watching her interview yesterday about her book and she said, I think we're on a precipice. And I thought she was genuine. She said, I had to write this book. It wasn't really to make money. It wasn't to, uh, for my own ego. It was just, I had to do whatever I can that this dangerous uncle of mine no longer remains president. And she's quite, in a way, quite empathetic towards him because she described all the things uh, in his family and their family that brought about somebody like him. It's a great relief. I'm wearing a sweatshirt that we produce, I support undocumented students because we have a good number of undocumented students. Their fears for the last four years, they haven't woken up a single day without living in suspense and in fear. I've, I've had the privilege of not having to worry in the way that they do. But if you, if you think of their experience over the last four years, one of them who works in our kitchen as part-time student worker, she said to me, oh my goodness, I feel I can breathe, I can breathe, I can breathe. I can't imagine her experience, but I know I, I feel that too. It feels like um, an escape from something very frightening. Uh, you mentioned there the, the sense of I can breathe. It's something that Val Jones, a black commentator on CNN, said that it wasn't just about George Floyd that, that said I can't breathe. That A lot of people in America, particularly black people, felt they couldn't breathe. And black people and black women in particular uh, probably pulled Pennsylvania to uh, Joe Biden. And I'm so grateful to them. And I hope we listen to their voices going forward. It's not that Donald Trump invented the racial issue in the United States. In some ways, he's brought to light the racism that's systemic uh, and the white supremacy that is systemic in this culture. And now we see it very clearly. I think before Donald Trump, I myself could... It wasn't that I knew that race is a huge issue in this country, but I didn't see it as clearly. Donald Trump has clarified that for me. That it is systemic and it's deeper and more, and it has wounded this nation more than I as a, a privileged white man has ever realized. So I have had some of those difficult conversations with my friends who are black and people of color, and they, they, find, they are finally finding a way to speak uh, to me <laughs> in my own yeah. privilege. And in the last four years, Donald Trump has provoked those racial divisions and he's quietly supported violent action while disavowing any responsibility for, when, for it when it occurs. Um, we've had four years of that where the relationship to the truth and proof has been weakened, uh, where finally now uh, we've stepped back, we can, we can breathe. 
uh, it's not the end of the problems. Uh, it's a huge, we will remain with huge problems in this country. But especially as a large section of the community has revealed itself as quite comfortable with an authoritarian model of government as opposed to a democratic republican model. I don't, um, I'm not trying to demonize those people who voted for Trump and we have to, I have to engage them. Uh, and that's something, um, but, I, but at the same time, we have to realize what it is that allows um, his supporters to have been so radicalized that they're not, that, that some of them are indeed willing to use violence to support white supremacy of that vision of government. We have to look at that, take that seriously, because otherwise we could find ourselves on a precipice once more. And Donald, that is a point that a lot of people have been pointing out. Also, that Donald Trump is not giving much leadership, even in terms of conceding. Are you afraid about what's going to happen in the interim months? It's a long road to January. Or do you, yes. are you sensing no, that it's okay? Donald Trump can do a lot of damage in the next two months. I am delighted that there is a midday on January the 20th is a day if he hasn't left the White House. I assume he will be escorted out um, by the marshals. But he can do a lot of damage, especially right now by not conceding. He's damaging the faith and trust in the institution of democracy and the electoral process without any evidence. As he goes out the door, he is bringing down the structures that allow us to, to survive as a democracy as flawed, as deeply flawed as this country is and has been. There's a, the, the rule of law and the constitution have held this country together. Uh, if he succeeds, which he won't, but if he did succeed, he, democracy would have been, will be destroyed. Um, he's not going to succeed. Thankfully, enough of the courts, he hasn't be, he's done a lot of damage to the courts already, um, but they still believe in truth and evidence, more or less. <laughs> enough of the courts still go with truth and evidence rather than political uh, ideology. So I don't think he's going to get anywhere in the courts. I hope I'm right about that. Um, but, the, you know, people here have to be careful because, you know, people say, oh, it could never happen here. You know, what has happened with the rise of fascism? Oh, it can't happen here. We're American. That kind of Amer U.S. exceptionalism, it's, it can and it has. <laughs> and now, uh, we've, we've, we've witnessed it in the last four years. And yeah. now we need a plan to stop it from going further. Wish I had a magic plan. I don't. But I think we need to, each of us personally, but also as a, uh, those of us who don't want to go down that path have to really engage in some hard thinking about how we are going to stop that. Time will tell, but and how we engage the people who voted for Donald Trump. And Biden gave a great speech the other night, and it was the right tone. He said, let's not demonize the other, let's not make the opposition our enemy. It was the right thing to say, very gracious of him to have no sense of bitterness after all he and his family have gone through. But that won't be enough. It's going to be very hard to bring us back from a, a society where truth no longer matters, where evidence and science, uh, no, no, a, a significant number of the people in the country no longer trust uh, the institutions of government, no longer trust science, no longer trust the whole process. And Donald, in the middle of all that is yeah. religion. Yes. And the yeah. role that religion played. And I do not think we can ignore this. And it wasn't that it was divided along religious faction lines. It was more along a sort of a, 
a right-wing conservative traditionalist, sometimes evangelical line. So will you talk to me a bit about that? Because Joe Biden himself is a Catholic and a practicing Catholic. You wouldn't have thought that from what was thrown at him from some of the Catholic church members themselves, some of the hierarchy, certainly not from the very influential online Catholic websites like LifeSite and The Remnant and Peter Five. And they're still going and saying, basically, if you didn't vote for Trump, you were going to hell. Very bitter. And then the evangelicals on the Protestant side mainly. And again, it wasn't all of them. So there was this division. Can you talk to me about that and what you see it as? There's so much that can be said about that. Firstly, I want to make it clear, Joe Biden's faith is real and is genuine. So and Bishop McElroy of, of San Diego clarified that. Thank, thank you, Bob, because he, he used to work here uh, by saying that people who bishops and priests and Catholics who, uh, under, who say that Biden isn't really a Catholic uh, are disgraceful because they undermine the Catholic Church by saying that because we don't decide anything on one issue. And the other thing is his faith is genuine. He's gone through a lot of suffering in his life, losing so many of his family members, most recently Bo. He's talked and he's met Pope Francis. He spoke at a conference in the Vatican some years ago. He has met Pope Francis a number of times. I suspect they're more empathetic uh, than uh, Donald Trump and the Pope. So firstly, let's not deny his Catholicism is genuine. I don't, I wouldn't vote for him because he's a Catholic, but he is a Catholic and he went to church yesterday, like he does every single Sunday with mask and spacing. The only difference was there were, you know, a thousand media outside the church uh, yesterday. So that's one thing to clear up. The other thing is amongst Catholics, we're divided. Uh, Catholics in the United States are divided like the rest of society. And that is a painful thing. And the other thing is I do live in a bubble. I'm in San Francisco. I don't meet and know Catholics who voted for Trump. That's how divided our country is. And that makes me prone perhaps to demonize them. So I have to be very careful not to other 70 million fellow Americans. At the same time, dialogue can't begin if it means that I have to say the things that Trump stands for are okay. I don't want to demonize a group of people, but at the same time, how do I remain open to them without compromising the integrity of the country and of the human dignity. But I do think this time around, just slightly more Catholics voted for Biden than Trump, whereas last time, slightly more voted for Trump. So there was a tiny shift, which might have been quite significant in Pennsylvania and places like that uh, in, in giving Biden the presidency. But we're divided. And those life sites and those other sites that you mentioned, and some of the bishops have acted disgracefully. Uh, And the bishops together have not been the voice that I would have hoped in terms of making that clear and making it clear about where we are in the country. Some bishops have this time, mostly those associated with Francis, have been a prophetic. Wilton Gregory, who's soon to be the first African-American cardinal in Washington, D.C., what could be more timely, uh, he drew a line when Donald Trump tried to use the photo opportunity of visiting the shrine of St. Pope John Paul II. DC. He spoke out and others have done the same, but many of them have given either explicit support for Trump or a a kind of implicit support quietly, even in terms of talking about sin and so on, if you voted for Biden, which is disgraceful that that is still out there. And it affected the elections because Catholic vote is crucial in the United States 
when they support Trump, is it just a one issue? Is it that because he has taken a stance, which he didn't have before, of being pro-life? Is, is that simply, He's is it a one issue? By any standards, we cannot call him pro-life because even on the abortion issue, I don't see him as pro-life. He's pro-birth. Uh, but he's not pro-life. Uh, but um, I guess some of them, I, I wouldn't want to categorize all the voters in the same, or all Catholics who voted for him in the same company. It's complicated and the people will be doing their research in the, in the years ahead looking at those questions. But at the same time, I think um, some of them probably voted sincerely thinking uh, only of the abortion issue, um, even though we're, we're not invited to vote just on one, one life issue and to see the whole panorama of life issues. And I think if you look at all of them together, the, my own, this is my personal opinion, I, I don't tell people how to vote. But if you look at every single life issue, including abortion, you can see that Trump is not pro-life in any way. I mean, the Bishop uh, Stowe said uh, how anybody could even think of Trump as pro-life. He's the most anti-life person we've uh, seen in the presidency. I mean, I, and Bishop Stowe, of course, had thousands of emails and attacks from other Catholics for saying that, but he's a humble Franciscan who studied here in Berkeley, knows some of the com my community here, and he speaks the truth as he sa sees it quietly and humbly, not hating anybody, but only with love in his heart. You're entirely correct that there are other issues as well. I mean, people felt that maybe they would be better off under him, that their taxes would be lower yeah. and things like that. It's just yeah. that fear. Yeah. Trump is a supreme manipulator of people and knows how to tap into the fear and, and that side of ourselves. He's done that to me. I've given him way too much power in the last four years in my own psyche and, and allowing him to get under my skin. It's something I've had to discuss with my spiritual director because in terms of Ignatian spirituality, with spirit is at is play. I've had to be very careful not to, to, to confront that he would take away uh, from whether the Holy Spirit is guiding me, but also as a nation. I think in some ways we've been in a kind of desolation uh, a communal desolation that he's dragged all of us into this um, vortex where he has become part of our psyche. It's, there's almost a feeling of a lightness or something letting go. It, one, a, another Jesuit, I won't quote him in case uh, he doesn't want to be quoted, but a Jesuit in Rome who's in the Curia said to me, it's been like an exorcism. Uh, there's a sort of, it does feel like an exorcism. The bad spirit is being called out, the put in its place uh, in terms of Ignatius. I, I, I feel that uh, and there's a sort of a, a hope in, in them. And I think that's interesting because even in Ireland, I've heard people say that, including my son who would not, who would consider himself an agnostic, um, oh, yes. text me to say, I feel a weight has been lifted off my shoulder for me and for the world. And I think that is a, a very interesting observation, Donald, that you have. And he has said it too, that there's a lightness that something has been lifted because of the fear and the way people were living. And it's not to say the fear was unfounded. If we look at COVID-19 and Donald Trump's handling of that, I mean, as people were going to the polls, the coronavirus was at its worst rate ever. And how many hundred thousand have died now in the States? If you could have even half that, if it had been dealt properly, they would still be alive. To this. We're talking about life and death here. Well, some Stanford research suggested that 700 people 
who don't need to die will die because of the mass rallies that Trump has been holding in the last few weeks where most people are not wearing masks and uh, some of them indoors, some outdoors. But yeah, I mean, and that that is good science. It's a tragedy. Those lives didn't need to be lost, frankly. So looking forward, Donald, we have Joe Biden. We've also got Kamala Harris. So it's wonderful to see a woman of colour that has now made it to the position of vice president. Yeah. Do you think that the healing that is necessary can be fulfilled? Because my sense is just watching Joe Biden and the way he speaks and the suffering that he has had, that there may be something spiritual about him that is equally able to bring about something beyond policy, but deeper. I think, and I think that is very true, Pat, because he has an empathy. He's not perfect. He makes mistakes. He, ga- he does gaffes that sometimes I cringe at some of the things he says, but he is a man with a big heart and an empathy and he's genuine and he's been through a lot of suffering. And his, he's dealt with suffering in, through his faith has, has helped him. He's, he's spoken to Francis about the loss of Bo, and he said he was very moved by the, the time that Francis spent with him just sharing about his son. That meant a lot to him as a Catholic. He might be the right man for the right time. His task is impossible by, in human terms. But if anybody could be the right person for this time, it's him. And the vice president, yeah, Harris, I, I met her. She's the only person who, who's, going, who's ever been in the White House that I actually met because she's from here. She's a local person. She's from Oakland, but she was here in uh, San Francisco working in the law uh, for many years. So uh, I met her some years ago, but I think it's great that she is also there. Uh, first time a woman, a first time a person of color and Asian descent uh, is in the White House. And of course, Joe is very proud of his Irish heritage too. Yeah. Um, so that yeah. will have effects in, as you know, probably better than me in terms of the, the relationship with the United Kingdom and, and the Republic of Ireland. Which is very important for people here, because especially when Boris Johnson was really effectively talking about jettisoning the Friday Agreement. Yeah. And I think we are now aware uh, in no uncertain terms that a Biden administration will not stand over that. And that's really important, too. Absolutely. Yeah. That is what cut out because a lot of people don't want healing and a lot of people are angry and the infrastructure of an entire party that enabled Trump is still there and the dark money that funded him and that online radicalization that, you know, drummed his army up, if you like, um, and the racism he amplified, it's all still there. And that online magnification that people, as you know, live, we all live in our own bubble. We're all getting the, it's not just uh, the people of, Trumpism that are in their own bubble. Most of us are in our own bubble, all of us perhaps. And it's a very frightening thing because we don't have any common language or common even facts. People don't even agree on the facts anymore. If you look at what's happening now with people who are disputing the elections that have been fair and always have been, um, they don't believe it. Uh, Even though the evidence that there was any fraud isn't simply not there. And yet, good percentage of this country don't believe that. They're not insincere, but they're just not willing to look at evidence or facts. So there is no agreement about that. that is a frightening thing. And I guess some of the online beginning to put in some checks and balances, Facebook and Twitter, finally are putting in little warnings and things that should have been doing that years ago. And also the networks. When Trump was speaking the other day, I was watching on the channel and they cut off after 20 seconds. They cut him off and said, that is completely untrue. And they went on to another yeah. topic 
which we should have been doing that four years ago, not because we want to cut off the president of the United States, but if he's just talking lies and untruth, why do we give him the oxygen and the uh, airspace? Uh, so the media finally, after four years, beginning to deal with him adequately because they're not being used to dealing with the situation before. Yeah. And so they're finally beginning to see that they have enabled him in some ways, even the mainstream media that he uh, calls fake, fake news all the time, even to some extent, even they have done that. Finally, Donald, I just I'm curious, are you surprised there hasn't been any violence to date? I'm happy that there hasn't been. I went down to the city centre in San Francisco on my bicycle uh, the day before the elections, and there was very few people around. I mean, I mean, it's been quiet because of COVID, but it was even quieter and everything was boarded up, which is so demoralizing. 86-year-old Jesuit in my house, I'd never seen that at election time, that level of fear during an election period. And there hasn't been that violence. And But I mean, I'm still fearful because there's two months and Trump continues to doing things that may incite violence. So I hope and pray that this time is peaceful. I am a bit surprised and I'm happy, maybe, uh, yeah, and I hope that remains, yeah, both, on both sides. I was fearful also if Trump had been reelected that there would have been some violence from some uh, people uh, too. And that, that also would have been um, upsetting. Pray we get through this time without violence, yeah. For the moment, you're celebrating and yes. happy. Yes, I'm very happy. And I know we don't tell people how to vote, but in my community, if there is a Trump supporter in the community of 34, I hope we're not othering them or demonizing them, but I know that the whole community is celebrating and so happy. And it's a nice feeling.